Hope everybody had a great weekend. Man, it was jam-packed. No question that the Leafs are on a heater. Where is uh, our buddy Jack Hughes to uh, to talk about what the Leafs are doing lately? <laughs> Nick Kiprios, Derek Brandale, okay. Frank the Tank, Sammy McKee, and on location, Justin Bourne. On location at my desk at home like a bum. This is like pandemic vibes, Kipper. Everything's good, though? We're all good. We're all good. My son's got the sniffles. We're oh, there you go. Well, yeah. looking after family and still getting the job done, JB. That's what makes you a true pro. Yeah, buddy. Uh, before we get into the Leafs and so much to get into, uh, downing the Penguins 4-1 Saturday night and off to a nice little roll here in the month of November, we have to, have to revisit what life was like for our very own Sam McKee on the weekend, particularly Sunday around noon when Canada scored their first World Cup goal in men's history. Yeah, so it was probably about, what, 11.01 when that went in? And then yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't as enjoyable for uh, the next 90 minutes after that. But I can tell you that that moment that happened there is one of my favorite sporting memories I'll ever have. I, I can't tell you the elation, the feeling I had when, that, when it hit the old net there. It was, it was a pretty electric moment for a country. We can uh, save the questions and comments about the rest of the game. We can save that for Herdman. I'm not really going to weigh in on that a whole lot. Oh, no, I'm weighing in, bud. I don't care. <laughs> you, and I'm dragging you right into it. Yeah. Right into it. Uh, you don't You don't get to dodge that bullet okay. on this show. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, let me have it. No, 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 not yet. Um, I just want to hear JB because, you know, Sammy's the, the, the soccer expert. I mean, I yep. did play it growing up, but uh, as far as him knowing – uh, the game today and and the players, he's he's our go-to guy. But just uh, you know, from your perspective as a fan, uh, JB, your thoughts on Sunday? Yeah, we put together a big shindig. My group rented room. Uh, one of my best friends is a Croatian dude, Johnny Bravo. What's up? You know, he had a bunch of his Croatian buddies over, and then we had another I don't know forty Canadians in there. And I honestly, it was like shock when the goal went in when when Canada scored at the two minute mark. It was. You know, of course, the place erupted, but it was like, oh, my God, like, are we are we going to do this? Is this real? And then, yeah, just like the air slowly coming out of the balloon, culminating in the epiphany in about the 50, 60 minute mark. They're like, oh, we're just they're just not in our league. They're yeah. just that, that's a better sign. But there was that moment off the goal, which was spectacular that you said to yourselves, oh, my God, like, wait, this here. could be a kind of. USA, Soviet Union, 1980s kind of feel. Wasn't yeah. there a, just a touch of that? Listen. A little bit? Like, oh my gosh, we watched them go toe-to-toe with Belgium, only to fall short by a goal, but this could be something special right now. One nothing. come on. I let myself believe for max five minutes. Because, <laughs> 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 listen, you got, I, I, I'm not a soccer expert, but I watch a lot of soccer in my life, and it's pretty easy to tell. After that goal went in, what happened? Like, it was just pretty clear that that was a little wake-up call for Croatia. And they, like, I, I I feel badly for how pissed off I was, quite honestly, during that game. Like, I was steaming mad uh, when we went down 2-1. I was upset about all the different things. And then it kind of had to catch myself a little bit 
because it's like expectations. This is our first time ever in the World Cup. We're a historical laughing stock when it comes to soccer. It's our first time ever there. And we're playing legitimately one of the better sort of European sides. There are tons of pedigree. They're gritty. They're good. Our coach told them to F off. Like, there's a lot of stuff that went into that game that I was kind of catching myself feeling like, why did I expect them to win this game? Just the fact that we got a goal against them is incredible. So that's kind of where I'm at, boys. I, I, I'm feeling a little stupid forever believing, to be honest with you. Oh, I don't like that. Well, it's true. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, Canada's going to play well, soccer against Croatia and win? Listen, bro, like, what are we just talking watched about? them do it with Belgium. Nah, yeah, yeah, did they win? No, they no, lost. but you watched them hang, so nah. you're not stupid for thinking they could hang with a nah. lower-ranked team. But nah. you, you, you got to uh, to Sammy's point. Like, where were they two years ago? Where was the program two years ago? And where for is sure it now? For sure, that context is relevant. For sure. All right. Okay. Uh, we're gonna get into the Leafs. I promise everybody. Just, I, I want to weigh in on on John Herdman's uh, comments and how it was played out, and where we are today. Because it's not a soccer thing for me. It's just a sports thing for me. In the in the grand scheme of things. Where are you? Because there's a lot of people out there, you know, that say, come on. Uh, like, those words matter. Like, they, like Croatia needed uh, motivation to play in a game that it made a, an absolute difference or not. Right. Let's go to you, JB, first. Did it make a difference or not? I'll play the straw man you're looking for here. No, I don't think it did make any difference at all. I, I, I believe that that Croatian team, this still means everything to them. It's the World Cup. They lost in the final, the, the previous World Cup. That's as motivated a side. Didn't they lose their first game or they drew or they whatever? Tied with, like, they tied with Morocco. Zero like zero. they needed that match against Canada. You cannot tell me they were going to leave anything in the tank that somehow John Herdman dug up. I agree wholeheartedly with Barney. Listen, I want to blame, I want to blame Herdman. I want to be like... Listen, if Herdman was like, I love Croatia, Croatia's great, like, and they went out there with their midfield against Luka Modric and uh, Mateo Kovacic, or two of the best midfielders in the world, it ain't going to matter what he said pre-match. They were going to get their barn doors blown off regardless of what happened. So I know it doesn't look good, and he's taken an absolute yeah. beating by Croatia's fan and their media and everything. I get it, but it made absolutely no difference. Canada just... They're just not close. It's just not yeah. a comparable thing. I I wholeheartedly believe in the uh, the billboard thing. Bulletin board, yeah. I do, for yeah. sure. Yeah, bulletin board stuff. Um, so you thought? So you think it made a difference? It, it's not that it made a difference. You know, I have to go back to Mark Messier's guarantee in '94, and then what that did to us. Besides, maybe just reaffirming that his belief in us is there. As a team, we, we discussed on, like, like what does this do to Mark Messier if, if we lose? Like, that, that conversation happened amongst us. And I'm not – see, when, when, stuff, when people go out of their, their, their comfort zone, whether it's Mark Messier or, or Herdman in that moment, there, there's something on the line there for him. Mm, and, and we yeah. know where it went with Herdman. We do now. But up until then, someone was asking me uh, before the game, was that a mistake or not saying that? And I said, I cannot answer that until after the game. It's just, it's, it's guesswork. And whether or not it's something that uh, is going to be a positive or a negative. 
And I don't know, I cannot answer whether or not it's motivation for anybody on the other side or not. Only they truly know. But I can tell you what I can answer. It changes the energy. 100% changes the energy. And I'm a big energy guy. I'm, in a, I'm, a, I'm a, a body language guy. And the energy changed from the moment he put that out publicly. So, yeah, so if, if in fact they find out or the Canada finds a way to win and it's a historic win, Herdman goes to another level based on that. And it is nothing but like, like stories written about it, movies written about it. That's, that's him just putting his big brass ones on the chopping block. And it's either a huge win for him mm. or it comes back and bites him in the ass. And but you threw the energy out there, and the energy changed the moment it went public. Yeah, do you agree with that? Yeah. So I got two thoughts on that, Kipper. One is I I like the point about the energy changing because coaches constantly jockey for the scrappy underdog vibe, right? Which is all Canada had. We are the scrappy underdog, the feel good story, and you know as hard as coaches try to get it, I think you give it away. By having a public statement that goes directly at the other team. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, th- I think the, there was no pressure on them prior to that. So, yeah, maybe it doesn't affect Croatia, but maybe it affects Canada to some extent. I'll also say there needs to be a clear differentiation between what Herdman did and said and, like, what Masai Ujiri said when he went out and said, F Brooklyn. Or, you know, w- what he did is so different because... You know, they asked him what he said, Herdman, what he said to his team, and he said, "I want to go right at him. I want to be fearless." I said, "You know, f them. We're gonna go get. We're gonna go get them." But he didn't make the statement to Croatia. He shared what he said to his team. So it's not to me. It's not as bold a thing as Masai Ujiri's f Brooklyn. That's fair. I listen. I'm just the one thing I'll say about this, and the because like, I said that I'm not that surprised by the result. I've been talking about how hard a group this was for six months, and everybody kind of made fun of me for saying how hard a group it was going to be. Anyways, that aside, it just sucks that we're the second team out next to the crappy host. Like, it, you know, like we are. It third, sucks that we don't get a third our game. Our third game doesn't about. matter. So, you know, it's it's just, it's still yeah, enjoyable I, to watch you, him. Yeah, I, I, I get it where, where you're coming from, but. Come on, you have a chance to win your first World Cup game. It matters. It matters. It absolutely matters, and I'll be watching just like everybody else. But it just—you'd really love it to you have just a little lose bit the of party. Stinks. You just lose yeah. the excuse to party and uh, have a <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. right. Yeah. But you're right. It would have been nice to draw Morocco first and maybe be able to get a draw or yeah. something. I and I yeah. know it's no given. Morocco's a team too. They're good. For, yeah. They beat Belgium like uh, like we should have. That's what'll haunt right. me forever, boys. Us sitting, the, it all us, started the Davies mess. Uh, eh? Us sitting in the newsroom there on Thursday. Uh, was it Thursday or Wednesday? Wednesday or Wednesday. We were all sitting in the newsroom there watching Davies. And if he tucks that, I, I firmly believe in my heart of hearts they win that game and we're talking about a completely different thing. So that'll be the great what if to me. Yesterday we didn't belong on the pitch with those boys. All right. Enough real Kipper and Bourne on soccer. Ah, but that's on sports, Kipper. We're, we're yes, justified. we are. Yes, we are. And we can get right into the Leafs uh, and what's going on there. Certainly watching Mitch Marner extend his point streak to 16 games, tied for the third longest in Maple Leaf history, uh, is now getting rather interesting as they face off Detroit tonight. we got a terrific show. Glad everybody's on board on this Monday, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Um, First and foremost, uh, 
I got to be honest here. I'm like every once in a while, I look out of the corner of my eye, I see Justin. Uh, there's just a picture of you on, on YouTube, <laughs> and you know, I'm thinking to myself, man, like one day the technology will be there where we can actually show you on video and hear you at the same time. From two different locations? Yes. I don't think we're there yet, technology-wise. We're not quite there yet, but, we need- <laughs> but for those of you watching on YouTube, stay patient. By the end of the show, we will have a sketch artist of JB um, in his basement doing the show. Just in my undies down here. All right. We've got uh, we got Jim Ralph coming up in about, uh, what, 35 minutes. Also, Chris Draper, former NHLer, four-time Stanley Cup champion. The grind line. Yeah, remember those days? He's going to come by and uh, talk and help us tee up a great original six matchup against uh, Detroit. But uh, revisiting the weekend, guys, uh, maybe a couple of thoughts before we go to Sheldon Keefe and get his uh, thoughts on uh, the latest heater the Leafs are on? Sure, I'll give you my thought. Um, You know, one thing that is confirmed to me is that this team, you know, going into the season, in the early season, we we thought that they need to be interested and motivated when they think it's going to be easy. They kind of roll over. I think this has been inspirational for them, having so many D out. Like, I've never seen the team look more organized, more in their position, more difficult to get through than when they've had no defensemen. I I just think they look like one of the best coached teams. You can't say that all season long. But since their D have been out, they look like the full buy-in, remarkable play, I think, from from, as a team unit. Sammy, the Leafs are 9-1-3 in the month of November. They've picked up a point in eight straight games. They haven't lost, I think, regulation since Pittsburgh on the 11th. No matter what happens, listen to me very carefully here, Mm -hmm. okay? No matter what happens in April or in May, you will always have November. Oh, you're such a hater. You're such a hater, Kiffer. Hater? Yeah. Maybe that's a strong word, man. You're you're making fun of the whole previous seasons and the whole. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Did they not have a great November last year, too? They had a scorching hot. And nobody cares. I get your point. No, 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 no. I'm just teasing them. I'm just teasing them a little bit. I I, I am giving them full credit. JB, I'm on board with you, man. Uh, the attention to detail, uh, the commitment to take the middle of the ice away, blocking shots, it's yeah. its really working right now, Sammy. I'm just, uh, as a big picture thing, I'm really happy they don't suck. Because <laughs> we're I, happy they don't suck. Like, like, what do we want, two hours no, of this sucking? No, like, <laughs> I really thought there was a moment there where they came out of that Anaheim game, and I thought they sucked. Like, I really was convinced that they were no good. They couldn't do anything with the bottom six. They had no identity. They were coughing up the puck. They were giving it away. They were genuinely an awful team to watch play hockey. Like, it was never – I never enjoyed it. And then they've just – that's such a good point. And then they flipped the switch, and I still don't think they're playing the most enjoyable brand of hockey most nights. It's a lot of defensive stuff. You see sometimes how they back off and just lie mm -hmm. right across – the red line or sure. top of the blue line, and it's like Red Rover, Red Rover, we call you over. And it was crazy. Like, And they scored four even-strength goals on Saturday, right? Was it all, all four of them were yeah. even-strength? And that's, I mean, that's so rare for them this year. Like, they don't score a lot. But just as a general statement, I'm thrilled they don't suck. 
Like, I, know but, that's, yeah. I, know that's, I know that's not the most <laughs> bra- breaking thing, but it really did feel like for a while there that they were going to. Well, I didn't. Go ahead, Jimmy. Sorry, I, can't say, I didn't know that you were going to be talking or going in on that point, Sammy, but one of the things that I think has made a difference is they're scoring first. So it opens the other team up. It makes the other team have to play. I don't think they look like offensive dynamos, but it's different when they score first. That's all. All right, let's let's uh, let's go to Sheldon Keefe for our first uh, Kippers Clipper here on uh, the, the recipe on, uh, on the run in November. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, obviously you don't quite expect to score in the first shift but uh, we talked about you know how the recipe for us here of late has been to get off to good starts and control the game and you know sort of the way the game went last time we were in here um and that's the way it's been really on this trip so that's set us up for success for sure i mean you don't want to talk about it too much in case it doesn't go your way as it's not the end of the world but it certainly sets you up for success especially on the road good starts and if we go from the net on out, I, I, the last bad goal uh, out of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I don't know. Do we go back to Carolina? Like, uh, we go. No, we go back to question. the game we went to, Shalgren. The oh, one where yeah, he came out yeah, of the net. Yeah, that's yeah. the one we go back to. Okay, which is we're talking about. Ago. We're talking about two bad goals in uh, half a dozen games. Yeah, I, it's yeah. It helps. That guy's been better than his save percentage too. Like he he's given him the saves he's he's got to make. You know, it's they, let's be honest too. They have been lucky over this stretch to get three goals called back in New Jersey. And while we all agree they were the right calls, you get three goals called back. It doesn't always happen properly. You know, the Pittsburgh has the one that's sitting behind Schalgren that's live. They score on that gets waved off. They're getting a couple breaks too. You need that help. As far as the blue line is concerned, this is where we thought that uh, things were going to fall apart. And lo and behold, man, it's it's just business as usual back there. Uh, all of a sudden, it's the adventures are gone or they've been cleaned up, particularly when you talk about uh, Holland. Well, let's just end it right there. Justin Hall. I mean, everybody <laughs> wanted this guy out of town. Everybody was talking about... Uh, uh, he can't play in the NHL, and now he's logging big minutes. And I'm not saying that he was where we thought he was maybe a few years ago, shutting down Connor McDavid, but all of a sudden, big right-handed shot guy playing 20-plus minutes is looking okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll use the note that uh, Jonas Siegel wrote in his piece today, which is that Giordano and Hall have played uh, lined up for 26 draws in the defensive zone together in the last three games. Um, Sandini and Lilligren are the next up at 10. So these guys are starting the D zone over and over and over. They've played against Crosby as a matchup, Kaprizov as a matchup. The pair has not been scored against once. They're outscoring the opposition 2 nothing, outshooting them t- uh, by 10. Like that pair has been absolutely dominant, which is strange. So okay. th- oh, sorry. I was oh. just going to say, yeah, go ahead. we're talking about how good the depleted decor that looks right now. And I, does it concern either of you guys that the guy that they gave $7.5 million to for however long, he's out of the lineup and they're, they, they kind of look better defensively without him? Does that, does that thought cross your mind? No, not once. Okay. I just assume that he went, when he comes da- back there that much better. Uh, JB, there's like... What, what? I will just say, Kipper, that it has crossed my mind to consider, like, is that a difference, like, the Riley, whatever, I, and I'm with you. I, I don't think it's the right answer, no. So outside um, of Sandine, yeah. would it affected anybody else? Because Sandine, we, we know, is 
elevated his minutes and uh, seems to have settled down and looks way more confident to me. Way more confident and avoiding the big blunders. Like, yeah, but yeah. outside of that, who should feel like they've been affected with no Morgan Riley there? I guess like the the main four is just like Lilligren getting more minutes, Sandine more minutes. Otherwise, you're you just have a couple of guys in who don't play. Like Hollowell is in, and Mete as well. So those guys would be affected by it. But yeah, they don't play a ton. Okay, let's go to Sheldon Keefe on Hall's uh, elevated role with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, yeah, like I was saying, every everybody is elevated here, and I mean, you know. Halsey at different times, you know, hasn't hasn't played at his best throughout this season, but Justin Hall's played a lot of really tough minutes for us over his time in the NHL. So it's not necessarily new for him, but he, he you have to go out and do the job and he has. So that's been really great to see. Man, it's almost as if like they couldn't give him away a month ago or two months ago. <laughs> couldn't give him away. We had the conversations about how they had nobody to give him a rest. Remember how we were talking? Like, this guy is desperate a for a rest. He, yeah. he needs a night off. He needs to have a view from the press box, look down on it for a change. And he's pulled himself out of it. But I don't, this is anecdotal. I don't know if either of you guys remember, but I feel like this has happened to him a couple times in the past with the Leafs where he'll go way down yeah. and they'll, everyone will be turning him into a whipping boy. And then he'll kind of pull himself out of it. And it feels like it's happened again. Like, I, I don't feel like this is the first time it's happened with Hall. No, and he's also the poster child for the numbers people love him, the eye test people hate him. He's like one of the rare ones that there's a huge divide on. It's I think everyone's right. He is he can look terrible. He can be really reliable in a good role. You know, as much as we talk about the consistency or inconsistency of the big four and all that, he's another guy who might fall under that same umbrella. You know, when he's going, he's going, but he ain't always going. Yeah, and you know, to that point, I think. Uh... I think it's almost as if when the Leafs feel like they're, they've got this rhythm, then there's a sense that uh, there's a sense that you don't have to go out there and force anything. Like it just mm-hmm. seems to come to you as much as you go to it, and then you just find that 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 happy medium. When Hull gets in trouble, is when I see him start forcing things, and Morgan Riley's the same way. When you yeah, start seeing point. Hall now. Uh, make a pinch that isn't there or is a high-risk play, that's when that's when he falls into a trap. That's when he gets himself into trouble. 100%. And he's, I mean, I just, the thing, the stat that Borny brought up there with him and Giordano, I, I really can't believe that we're how many games into the season and that's the Leafs' top pair and it's actually good. That's a, a shocking development for the Leafs. But the thing with, Hall is really their only true defensive defenseman. Right, he's a guy that blocks shots. He has he's been a guy, forever. He's yeah. a guy that he's a guy, well. Muzzin plays that role too when they were playing together yeah. too. Yeah. But he blocks shots. He kills penalties well. You know, he's he plays really good defense in his own zone. He's it's crazy how valuable valuable he's become over the last little bit here. And it's just I'm happy to see that he's pulled himself out of what he was in there earlier. And we're in Pittsburgh, Minnesota, New Jersey. I mean, those were not easy games. This is what I why I started off saying this team just looks best when they're motivated. It looks like they saw a challenge, and, mm-hmm. man, they're able to rise up when presented with them, except in playoffs. Okay, don't get ahead of yourself. I just gave Sorry. you November. Okay. I gave you the month of November, Sorry. so do not get ahead of yourself. Okay, let's go to Sheldon Keep on Lilligren and Sandine and what he sees. Yeah, for sure. We talked about it a lot this morning about how they're – 
you know, in one way or another, they're going to grow through this experience. And I thought those guys today were excellent, uh, maybe as good as they've been on this trip. And to do it on a back-to-back against an opponent like this, there's some real challenging matchups there for them. Uh, I thought uh, they were they were really good. I can, you can see them growing uh, here through this, so it's, it's really nice to see. I'm going to throw out something for Sandine that I personally think may have helped him, but more importantly, helped him with his teammates. Okay. The fight against Ooh. the Islanders. Hmm. Wallstrom. You yeah. don't see a little bit of change since that moment and what that might have done for him and his teammates. Hmm. I do. Yeah. Well, I told you after that game, I said, like, you know, when they came in, it was big back, back, back pats and hugs for having the chutzpah to stand in there against a much bigger man who just beat the hell out of Tony D'Angelo a couple nights yeah, ago, by the way. But, like, if we, Sam, revisit the Leafs over the last few years, how many real moments have they had? We we saw we remember Spezza in Winnipeg. The flying knee. Right? Yeah. Um, outside of that, it's not a typical look for them. Mm-hmm. No, and having it be a guy that doesn't ever do it, too. Like, he's got a physical side to his game. He's not afraid to throw a body check, but a fight, that doesn't, that's not in his bag of tricks. And for him to do that, I don't mind it. Like, I, there's probably a lot of people that would be like, ah, oh, no, he's just he's starting to play better. But having the belief of your teammates after that and having them all tell you how much they loved it and the best player on the team's calling him an animal, it can't hurt your confidence. It can't hurt. No, especially you you come into the year asking for more money, uh, basically publicly stating you think you're better than one of your best friends on the team. Mm -hmm. Like there's some, you know, you're not the scrappy underdog like Canada anymore. You have made yourself the F Croatia of defensemen, (laughs) you know, and so this is... But this is now, you know, he's he he stood up and the boys had his back and you feel like you're in the group again. So maybe there is something to a kipper. Okay, uh, mentioned Mitch Marner extending his point streak to 16 games. Let's hear Sheldon Keefe on Mitch Marner. You get in a rhythm when you're an elite player like that and, and you just feel like every shift you're going to make a difference. So I, I think, you know, he just is... Yeah, he's feeling it. You know, he's feeling it with the puck, without the puck, with his defending. I mean, some of his best plays are coming off of his his reads and creating turnovers to create ch- high-end chances for us. Um, so for him, he has he has that ability on both sides of the puck to impact the game. And right now, he's he's really feeling it. You can tell he's seeing things really well. And um, you know, it, it seems like. But no matter the minutes or the situation or the schedule, that he's just continuing to to push on. Sheldon's right, especially when it comes to the minutes. Like, like he's he's not the biggest framed guy. We know that. But like to come off of of a Friday two o'clock game and and look like yeah, you've been resting for weeks Saturday night to start that game. This guy, he's just he's just constantly full of energy I've, I've said this all along you guys know how i feel man you want to talk about the real engine behind the toronto maple leafs it's number 16 I, yeah no go ahead Tim. well no i just listen i we do know how you feel kipper and that's completely fine because it's a it's a good side of things beyond these days he's been the best player in the least by far in the last two weeks three weeks however long this point stretch has been going but he had was the point streak last year was 13 games, and I think he had 28 or 27 points over that stretch. Like, the offensive numbers were absolutely stupid to me. But this year, the point streak, and it's crazy we're talking about two separate point streaks of over, like, that many games. Yeah. But 
doesn't it feel like it's it's just every part of it is more dominant this year even than last year? Like I, I feel like maybe it's not as high a point percentage as it was last year, but the whole rest of the game feels even more complete than it did last year. Like he's really gone to another level for me despite how many points he's getting. This this stretch for me, JB, is the best I've seen him agree. ever in a Leaf uniform. Completely agree. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, no argument. It's been unbelievable. I, I just think he's been so good so many times. It's tough to piece it together, you know. Like, he, his work on the forecheck and getting pucks back is really exceptional. And what, you know, what changes when Marner looks like this is like the Leafs' ability to, you know, get Matthews freed up and get him an easier assignment and let, you know, let Marner take the number one matchups. And think about how important that is for the team. He kills penalties. He draws the number one matchups. He's elevated a guy in John Tavares who, you know, they badly needed to have success. It's, you know, he's been everything for them. You know, the setup to Holmberg and Matthews were, or sorry, Holmberg and Tavares were almost identical where he just goes and gets it and makes a play. It, it is just... You know, he is such a key cog for them. And, There's no no doubt. And the, and the Holmberg one was at the end of a long shift that they were in the defensive zone, and he makes a read where he's like, I'm going to go in there and take this puck, goes in there, steals a puck, sets it up for Holmberg, who shoots it in the net. So he, uh, yeah, like I, I, I do agree with Kipper that this is the best I've seen him. I, I just think yeah. all facets of the game are complete. Did uh, three points out of Austin convince you that this could open up a little bit of a, a floodgate for him, get him on a roll here? Because i got to be honest with you, I know he set up uh, Mitch on, on the first goal, but I didn't really like his first period. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Barney. Well, I'll just say that I think it can be the start of something for him because he's a good player, and it's bound to happen at some point. But, yeah, I didn't think he was that much better that night. I think, uh, you know, one of the stats on Matthews was that game, his most common – uh, opposition was the third, fourth, and sixth defenseman on the Penguins. You know, things opened up. They got some some points. That's great. I didn't think he looked that much different or better than, than he has lately, but his coach did. Yeah. Sammy, you? <laughs> I, sent a, I sw- sent a very bad tweet about Austin Matthews about halfway through the first period. <laughs> just being It was like, funny. I, I was very – I've been – he can't hit, stick handle. Like he was up on a, <laughs> on a two-on-one with oh, – with, uh, was it Nylander he was on the two-on-one with? And the guy made yeah. a good read, but he legitimately like, oh, he like fumbled with yeah. it. And it like goes into the corner. And I'm like, what the hell am I watching? And then I send the bad tweet and he goes and gets three even strange points. Uh, anyways. A one time or two yes. off of a Mitch Marner, I Complete think, to end the first miss. period. Complete miss on a pillow. One and last year that was automatic. I, I can't recall that ever really seeing anything like that last season. No, it was automatic last year. So I don't know. I, I think it's a huge step for him to 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 just get some even strength points and look good. Let's hear his, yeah. Let's hear his coach. Oh yeah. Let's hear the on the bunting. Matthews on the bunting play. Yeah. Incredible. You know, it's just you're not expecting it necessarily to finish in a goal like that, but our guys on the bench are already excited uh, for the effort just in front of our bench to win that race, win the battle, and then and then the pace that he had onto the puck. Uh, uh, to get it into the offensive zone to begin with, but then they just stay on it, stay hungry, brings all sorts of attention to him, and Austin finds a quiet area in the rink, and, and Bunce finds him. Austin finishes it, which is great to see as well, because I think Austin has been playing some really good hockey for us and has really helped lead the way for us defensively and with a lot of things he's been doing and you know getting some assists and things like that, but to get the goal is, is very fitting uh, end to, to the night for us here today. Uh 
He's kind of Austin there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of the only way to play it, right? Yeah, I, I don't disagree for sure. There's there's no sense going any other way. I mean, you can't really sit there and say we still don't see him uh, quite hitting the, the levels that we saw last year, but uh, we're slowly getting there, I think. Well, he did it earlier in the year, and there was a national referendum, so he probably shouldn't be mean to those guys anymore. But, yeah. <laughs> but even, so the, even the goal that he scored, which... And it wasn't an impactful game goal. You could see the joy and, and relief that he had off of it. And even for bunting, too, because things haven't been that kind to him offensively as well. Uh, but, yeah, we've got, we're kind of glossing over that play by bunting. Right? No, oh no, my no, God. for sure. And it was a yeah. it was a heck of a play and, and one that, uh, you know, I think speaks of, too, the way he's had success uh, in the last year and a half, two years. And that is being that tenacious kind of guy that just won't go away high iq level of staying with it and finding uh an open matthews uh on his knees i mean that was that was a that was a good play against a, a guy like malkin i think off the back yeah. check too yeah i leaned malkin was making the back check he leaned on him and yeah great work all around there so yeah i don't know you know so the, some of the stats show that you know matthews has had uh you know he's been better with since he's had nylander there but i don't think it's a relationship with who he's been with i just think he's starting to come around a little bit you know he, he is playing well you know both sides of the puck and all that but there's definitely more and i sam that's why you sent the tweet that's why we're talking about him there's still more from this guy he hasn't been last year's version of himself yet i gotta think at some point he's going to want Matt Marner back and right oh, now if Marner's at this level at some point you're, you're, it's right yeah, over there tonight, right? Yeah. right he's right he's not doing it tonight but I could see a switch up oh it's going I, I could see way. it five minutes in ten yeah. minutes in yeah yeah I definitely think there's an eager okay Mitch is you know blowing guys up he's on fire let's get Matthews going and, too and if you remember last year and the last time these two teams played it was a bit of a wild one it was 10-7 I don't think we'll have that tonight but about those three lit it up last year in this in this game yeah. so as mentioned uh, off sure. the top of the show in the second hour, we're going to have Chris Draper to help us tee up a, a great uh, original six matchup between Detroit and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Detroit a heck of a lot better as they continue to make progress uh, after, what, five, seven years of some, some lean years. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk to Chris about that uh, around 4.15 4 Eastern time here. Um, as far as Jim Ralph, he's going he's gonna to join us after the break. Uh, another pleasant surprise, guys. Pontus, did I pronounce that? Pontus, 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 the Pope, the Pope. The Pope. <laughs> That's what we've been calling him here <laughs> on the Real Kipper and Born Show. Uh, I don't. Is it a is it a pleasant surprise? I I, I do yeah. recall us saying that we liked him. That there was something about him that said that uh, for me, anyways. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just because he seems like he's a bigger heavier body out there uh but let's let's get sheldon keefe on on holmberg and, and what he's meant since being called up and seeing if he sees any flaws in his game at all it's to be honest it's not overly surprising you know i mean we're talking about him here now because he scored two goals on this trip but what stands out to me is you know i think that's his eighth game here tonight and i i can't find this guy making a mistake yeah, through eight games, you want to talk to him as a young young guy, and there's things you want to talk to him about and show him. And you're expecting mistakes and corrections, and this guy doesn't make mistakes. He's incredibly smart defensively. He's always in the right spot. Doesn't have a, even have a, a full grasp of the language here yet or the league. 
yet he's uh, he's picking up our system and our structure and the things we're asking him to do. He's near perfect. Wow! All of a sudden, that that center ice position looks a lot better with him and Camp uh, behind Tavares and Matthews. I mean, he's not wrong, but like I personally haven't seen anything where I'm like, oh, that's terrible. He seems to skate pretty well. He seems to have a little bit of touch, So, which begs the question, what are we missing? You know, like, what? what is the we're other missing, shoe to drop here? We're missing Nick Robertson because he's never getting back now. Well, yeah. <laughs> I just mean with the Holmberg, though. Like, surely he's, he'd be a much higher touted guy if he were this good. What was he, a fourth or fifth round pick? I honestly don't know. Let's yeah, I, look that uh, up yeah. I don't. I don't recall him being a, a a blue chip prospect. But this is where guys to win this time of year, you need a few guys stepping up. That uh, I, I don't care if it's playing over his head a little bit or he's where he should be in in his progress. But when you're dealing sixth. with sixth round, yeah, yeah. twenty three okay. years old. Sixth there you round go. Pick. When you yeah. can pull out a six rounder. And and feel like you can pencil them in the lineup now with great comfort. Uh, you know now that you're you're starting to make some uh, some real progress here. And this, we know it hasn't been kind to Kyle Dubas over the years. Looking for that next outside of maybe the Lily Pad and, and Sandine, who were first rounders. You need someone in that mid to step up. Is 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 this him? Well, it's funny because this is what they wanted Fred Freddie Gauthier to be. They just want someone who can be solid and win faceoffs and kill penalties yeah, and be seen, in the right place. I've never seen uh, uh, Freddie Gauthier shoot a puck like he uh, he did Saturday no, night. Freddie yeah. Gauthier can't raise the puck. That's why. But, <laughs> but in all honesty, you're right. It's right? it's a nice touch if he gets it in that spot that he's able to shoot it past the goalie. I uh, quickly before we go to break because we got to get to um, Ralphie, but I. I got to ask you because we've been pretty positive here, but I, I do got to play the role of Kipper here, and I have a bit of a, a, a negative here. <laughs> what's what are they? They're just going to keep running out Kerfoot. What's he? What's he bringing right now? That's funny. Uh, outside of speed, I, I'm not sure. So I asked Luke Foxes on Leafs Talk on Saturday night, and he kind of bristled at it. But would they ever? Would they ever sit him down for a game? No. No, what, I'll tell you, you why. He's still really well-liked in the room. That's what Luke said, too. And I don't think it would sit too well. In a perfect world, could you lose his... I don't know. I mean, the further you go down... He's a UFA, is he not? Oh, yeah. So the further you go with his contract, the less it becomes a factor here. But unless you're looking at some blockbuster and you need to still move his 3.5 out... Uh, I, I don't know outside of Kerfoot, like, where is there to go? Can, if Nick Robertson was stepping up right now, mm-hmm. then that would be an easier decision to unload him. But Nick's not there. And I don't know, is he in the lineup tonight or is he out of the lineup tonight? Out again. Out again. God. So uh, until, until Nick steps up, I don't think there's anyone else to replace him, guys. Yeah, well, there's also the fact that, like, typically when a good player, an established NHL veteran player gets scratched, it's because they're playing bad. 
it's not usually because they're not playing good. Like, Kerfoot, to me, hasn't been bad. He just hasn't scored. He hasn't created. Like, he's not making turnovers. He's not, uh, you know, making defensive errors. He's just not creating anything offensively. So you're just kind of – it feels like punishment to scratch, where really he's just not doing the good things. And I like – temporarily, I, he'll never be a top six forward, but Yarn Kroc can at least go in there and look somewhat dangerous. He, every I once like in a there. while, he's, mm-hmm. he's floating around the high slot. He's got a good shot. Yeah. We've seen it. He can – he he can he can finish if he gets the opportunity here and you should starting with Tavares and, and Marner but long term I've I've said this right from the get go guys Bunting Yarncroft Kerfoot and Zach Aston Reese isn't a, exactly a a juggernaut on the left side here I, I don't know if it, if they've got time to make any uh, adjustments with the roster Kyle and there's probably more priority in on the blue line but. Still something to think about. Or are you just waiting for for Nyes coming in March? Is that the key here? Just buy me time. All these guys, Kerfoot, buy me time. And Nyes is coming in March. Let's not forget that. But is he going to be good enough to matter, to I, play? That's a, that's a $64,000 question, JB. Yeah, okay. And some say yes, and some say, "Hey, don't Maybe. don't expect uh, <laughs> don't expect a guy to come out of college and be an impact player because it hasn't happened very often." He's going to come in and play six minutes a night in three playoff games, and we're going to talk about him for fifteen hours between well, now. And you, you, you know this town and how they overhype. You know yeah. it. Oh yeah, and it's just no matter what we say or do, uh, you know the 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 hype machine will happen. Yeah. when Knives is in a, a Leaf uniform. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a quick break. We ran through the third-base uh, stop sign again. That's your Whoops. fault, Sammy. Produce the show. That's Mickey. right. <laughs> that a little less involvement. <laughs> More producing on the real Kipper and Bourne show. We got Jim Ralph, the voice, color analyst for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is on deck after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. All right. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, on location via satellite. Do people say that now, via satellite? Ah, everything's via satellite, isn't it? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know how this Very works. sensitive topic around here. <laughs> it's, it's fair enough. <laughs> hey, a shout-out to Canada in tennis. Are you big tennis guys? Uh, no. I mean, I, I watch and know the main people. I'm up on sports, but I am not a huge tennis guy. I enjoy it. Sammy's an all-sports guy, Ralphie. So probably. I hate tennis. Ralphie's the type of guy right now I would envision uh, huge in pickleball, like Doug McLean. Maybe we set up a game between the two. Joining us now, pickleball expert, Ralphie boy. Give me a second. I'm Googling pickleball. (laughs) (laughs) Ralphie, what do you do besides, like, you know, watch the Leafs? Uh, Well, I was in last Thursday. I was in Collingwood, the um, Wendell and Doug Gilmore, Ally Afraidy, Rick Live, and Event for Easter Seals up there. I'll do another one Thursday in Oakville. 
So, you know, with the speaking gigs, thank God after COVID and everything else, uh, those things are nice that they've all come back. So I'll, I'll get a, a few stretches of six, seven days in a row, which nice. I don't complain about nowadays. Yeah. Nice. God, uh, you're still as funny as ever, I can tell you that. You're still going to the hot cup of coffee uh, uh, on uh, on uh, Danny Gallivan? No, you know, I've sort of been out of the uh, out of the mix because uh, Danny's been gone for. I know, but that's my era. Yeah, well, I mean, mine too. So that's yeah, that's thirty some uh, thirty some <laughs> years. So I've updated a, a few things along the way, but nothing I can use on the air. Nice, nice. All right, so uh, we we're just talking off the top. Another pretty special November for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What, in your mind, big picture stuff, what has been the biggest difference? If you could just kind of summarize it real quick for us, the eye test, what is different now than what we saw to start the season in in your opinion? Uh, I'd say intensity more than anything. Uh, I mean, I still think even, you know, you look at through this stretch, uh, so many of these games could have gone either way, you know, where, where it's one moment or a power play goal or a giveaway uh, that, that seems to be the focal point of the result. So, um, but, but it just seems like there's a little, I shouldn't say a little, a lot more attention to detail on their own end. Because I, I mean, I think if, and that's a five-man unit, that's just, the, you know, you give credit to the guys that have stepped up in the blue line, but that's a five-man unit that they've been so much more uh, diligent uh, in their own end. And I think that's led to more chances offensively as well. You know, better puck retrieval and, um, you know, stifling the front of the net. So, I, I would say that's that's probably it as, as much as anything. Ralphie, I've got a, a take here that I'll throw out there and see what you think about it. But my, my theory is that some teams are easier to play defense for just based on how the forwards operate in the offensive zone, good F3, all that sort of stuff. The Leafs, to me, look like an easy team to play defense for, and I don't know that I've ever thought that that's the truth in the past. Yeah, but but yeah, I think it goes in waves all morning. Like I, like yeah. I think, like I, like I said, I think you know earlier in the year, guys were blowing the zone. Have we lost the role uh, that led to all kinds of problems? But he's back. I mean, what, what really is amazing is that if you look at say coming into the season, you were to say, okay, we've got concerns in net and on the blue line for the Leafs this year, but you're going to lose your two starting goalies for a straight. Yeah. Should we call him back? Let's call him back. All right, let's I'm call gonna, him back. I'm going to call him on another line. JB, you want to follow up on... Uh... My theory? Yeah. Yeah, I do. You know, the... I think that some of the worst teams to play defense for are like the Anaheim Ducks or the Vancouver Canucks, specifically the Vancouver Canucks, I think, where you got a lot of guys who are really good offensively. And I think of Besser and JT Miller and, you know, some other guys there that just kind of lean towards the offensive side of things, but they let the other team come flying back at you. And I think I mentioned that last week on our show, but I just can't remember too many times where I've seen Sandine or Lilligren take a rush flying at him at a thousand miles an hour or where Mete and Hollowell seemed like they were hung out to dry and, and defending two on ones. Have you? Uh, yeah, you, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, Ralphie, you good, buddy? You, you out of the uh, tunnel? Yeah, you know what? I, I don't know if I can come up with the exact same brilliance that you didn't hear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, JB was just talking about. Uh, uh, an easier team to play defensive uh, defensive hockey for. Uh, and he talked a little bit about 
you know, the challenges of Anaheim and Vancouver to, to get guys to buy in. But I think when you, when you start about uh, back pressure and guys coming back and one in particular play Ralphie that stood out for me is with the game easily out of, out of hand for Pittsburgh if you can recall late in the third period where Mitch Marner is almost at the top of the, the crease on a back check, uh, deflecting a puck away, uh, which should have been a, an, an easy scoring opportunity. I mean, when, when you got guys like that still doing it, uh, it's easier for other guys to jump on board. Absolutely. And, and what that does too, Kip, is that uh, it's better offensively. Now you get the puck back, you got everybody back, and everybody's coming out at the same time. And then you start talking about how fast they look. Um, but what I what I was saying when uh, uh, when we were in the dead zone there was that can you imagine coming into this season you'd say okay uh, concerns for the Leafs are in goal and on the blue line but you lose three of your top four defensemen uh, plus Jordy Ben you lose both goaltenders the scoring isn't going to be quite what you thought it was uh, the power play will be good but not great oh and yeah you'll uh, you'll be thirteen five and five and and still saying <laughs> that there's yeah. more there and they can be better so. It's uh, it, it really has been a, an amazing transformation. I mean, it, it really, you know, when they come back from that California road trip uh, and you're thinking, my God, you know, this was supposed to be the easy start for them and then a time to stockpile points and they couldn't get it done. Um, this would have been the perfect time now with all the injuries to say, hey, now we got an excuse, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we got all the pressure and everybody's all over us. Now we got an excuse to lose and, you know, they turn around and they start to string a bunch of wins together. So it's, um, and even if you, you know, if you want to flip the, uh, uh, the overtime record, uh, can you imagine they'd be what 17, five and one if, yeah. uh, if they had better success in overtime. So it, it really has been, um, you know, a, a magnificent turnaround, but, but I agree with you guys that defensively that's where it starts. So when you watch this team and you kind of extrapolate it out to playoffs and next season, you know, the, the big picture of what, what gets them through in the playoffs, do you feel better about this group's chances after seeing how resilient they could be through injuries or is it just kind of same old as last year, same team roster-wise? Well, I, I mean, I, I hate this. Yeah, we're we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, the one thing with the Leafs, and this, this goes back, this, you know, is this season as well. Uh, as, as soon as you think uh, they've got an advantage, they seem to come up short and disappoint. And as soon as you think they're out of it, uh, they turn around and they're like, a, you know, a bad relationship, right? That you think you should get out, but they keep, bringing you back in so uh, yeah you i mean you would really hope that that this uh you know is another test and another uh, way to mature as a group where you can overcome adversity and uh, you got more guys in the lineup that are going to buy into what the team is trying to accomplish uh, and that it does pay off in the postseason but uh, let's put it this way regardless of what we say now uh, nobody's going to remember what we're talking about come the first week of april <laughs> Maybe, uh, Ralphie, the, the difference this time around is the window to still get better from players that you don't necessarily expect. And one that's got himself totally in the race with that, along with Lilligren and, and Sandine, is now Pontus Holmberg. <laughs> no way. And, and I'm sure if you're Nick Robertson, you're going, really? I know. <laughs> 
and, he, and he's getting the opportunity. And I know, like, even uh, uh, listening to Sheldon Keefe, he says, you know, it's great that he's got the two game-winning goals in the last three games. And um, but, but they were, he, he said, right from training camp or even the rookie tournament that he thought uh, he was an NHL-caliber player and could help them. So, um, you know, again, that's that's the buy-in that it's defense first. And, you know, even somebody like David Camp, I mean, he hasn't scored in, I think, it's 14 or 15 games. Uh, yet he's valuable every time he's on the ice, whether it's on the penalty kill or defending. Um, but yeah, Holmberg is, is somebody that's uh, you know been able to jump in and, and score a couple of big goals. But um, he's he's been solid defensively, and I think that's what you look for first. And, and do you have any uh, thoughts on Mac Hollowell? Three games uh, is he a suitable sixth defenseman that they can call on in a time of need? No, no, ninth. Ninth. Well, sure, but if they, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, believe me, I know what it's like to be ninth on the depth chart. (laughs) (laughs) Waiting for that call. uh, Yeah, he's been solid. And and again, I think he's been about 11 or 12 minutes in the three games uh, each game that he's played, uh, which is probably still more than they would like. But obviously, under the circumstances, you've uh, uh, got to take a little bit of pressure off Giordano. Um, But I think, uh, you know, the biggest compliment you can usually make to a young defenseman uh, when they start their NHL careers, I didn't notice you. You know, yeah, you moved the puck well. You made the little ten foot pass. You chipped it off the glass to get it out. Uh, you didn't turn the puck over. Uh, I think he did get beat. Um, I'm trying to think of what game it was where he, he got beat to the front of the net. It might have been in Minnesota. Um, that that was a little bit noticeable where he got caught chasing a little bit. Um, but you know, for the most part, I think it's um, you know he's been solid and. Uh, you know, the uh, higher pace, obviously, than preseason games. But um, I, I think you like what you've seen. But, uh, again, it goes back to it's not uh, – everything's not a three-on-two. The number of odd man rushes they've given up have been way down since the start of the year. We're talking to Jim Ralph, color analyst uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, as far as Mitch Marner is concerned, we know there's a consecutive point streak that's knocking on the door with the likes of Daryl Sittler and Ed Olchuk. Uh, just – what you've seen out of his game comparable to what you saw last season or, or how high is this guy's ceiling? Uh, well, I mean, similar to last year in the sense that it was a slow start and, and even the start of the street, uh, there were a lot of one assist games in there that it, it was a secondary assist. They weren't like the Marner slash Gretzky assists, whether they were, they were the creative setup. So uh, it really took a while before you, you know, his play started to, to jump to where we expected it to be. And then you started to see the points, and then you go, "Oh yeah, that's right. It's been seven games. It's been eight games, and you know now we're uh, now we're up to sixteen. Um, but I, I think he's he's proven again that these, and I, and I guess the comparable Captain Borny you'd say is, is maybe Patrick Kane, um, you know, earlier in his career, and uh, and you see that similarity where uh, the way I always explain it is is you know if you play the video game, the the, the NHL video game. And you get the view from uh, like we would from the press box, and but to me that's the way Marner sees the ice. You know, he's one of those gifted players that he seems to see everything around him that, that other players uh, j- just don't see. And then I think it's um, it's great to have that vision, but then he's also got the ability to execute and uh, and create plays that way. So he's um, yeah, I don't I don't know what the ceiling is. Um, but, but I think he's got a pretty legitimate shot at hitting the uh, under point mark for sure. 
Any thoughts on this Detroit matchup tonight? I, I feel like I at some point would like to see the Leafs get up for teams they're supposed to beat. I understand Detroit's kind of rolling a little bit. What are your thoughts on what they're looking at tonight? Uh, yeah, hope it was like uh, similar to last year. I mean, I think the Leafs have won now seven straight against Detroit. Uh, but the games last year were absolutely bizarre. I know the, the first three times they played, uh, Red Wings scored 15 goals in the first three games, and they lost all three. So I wouldn't mind seeing one of those tonight. You know, another <laughs> yeah, right. You know, just to throw it into the mix. And then the uh, the fourth game they play, um, the Leafs win it three nothing, and that's when Matthews scored his 59th and 60th goals of the season. So it, uh, I, I think the you know sort of the, the jury's still out on the Red Wing defense, but um, you know I don't think if you look at the what, what the Leafs have on the blue line going into this game, you would have said at the start of the year, oh yeah, that's that's pretty solid. <laughs> you know they'll be okay. Right. But it's uh, I'm looking for Billy Huso has been great in goal for the Red Wings as well. So. It, uh, it's another test, but man, wouldn't it be nice to uh, uh, to sweep this road trip? You know, you think you had the, the easier one in California early in the year, and this would be the tough one, but um, they battled through pretty well. Ralphie, one more before I let you go, and uh, you mentioned Billy Huso, and that's worked out real well in net for Detroit. Where are we? Where are you on the Leaf goaltending here? Because as, as you had mentioned, they're getting points out of uh, uh, all three of them, and uh, are 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 they out of the woods in terms of knowing or now solidifying that it won't be an issue that many thought perhaps it was going to be at the beginning of the year? Is is the twenty what three games enough here to say, hey, this is what we have, and it it's shown that it can be enough. Well, and I'd rather wait until Sam Sanoff gets back first, Kip. You know that that you see how the rotation is going to be, how the guys handle. What, whatever the, the split is, uh, whether it's going to be 50-50 or, or 60-40 in Murray's favor, uh, I think that might be um, a challenge for Sheldon Keefe to be able to keep both uh, sharp and happy because right now on their own, knowing they, they've been the number one guy, Samsonov when Murray was out and now Murray with Samsonov out, uh, they've been great. And now it's just a matter of being able to keep both guys sharp. I, I think from what you've seen from both guys, you love it. And I'll go back to when Eddie Belfour came to Toronto. I mean, you, you always know what he did. The least played Chicago a lot. Um, you know, the, the success he had going to the, the Stanley Cup finals with the Hawks. And um, But it wasn't until you watched them game by game that you even had a greater appreciation for him. And I found out with Matt Murray. I mean, you're familiar with, you know, when, when Pittsburgh won the back-to-back Cups and, and uh, the role he played with that. But, you know, watching him during this stretch now, I've been really impressed at, at how well he's battled, like through scrambles. He's not just a butterfly and try to get big. Uh, I mean, he's got his nose six inches off the ice, you know, looking for pucks and battling through scrambles. So, um, like I said, I'd rather wait uh, to, to see how they, they do as a tandem. Uh, with the, when they're both healthy, but well, you sure like what you've seen uh, when they've been the only guy that uh, they've gone to, and even even Shelgren's had some good moments when it's when he's been the guy. Hey, Ralphie, have a great call tonight. Really appreciate your time. All right, thanks, Jepper. Thanks, Warren. Jim Ralph. Thanks, Ralphie. Radio analyst for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you guys okay still, or we need more sample uh, sizes? Like Ralphie uh, said, once Samsonov comes off. IR and you see that rotation and you see the role uh, then we find out who steps up JB 
Well, yeah. I mean, you had written about and talked about Matt Murray as kind of being the guy from the jump or should be afforded that, right? A couple-year contract, making almost $5 bucks, and that makes some sense. I, you know, I'm with Sam that my confidence is growing that this guy on a good team, you know, behind a good Leafs defensive group can look like the guy. But Samsonov started so, so well, so well that I want to see him too. So I'm happy to see them split games for a while and just see if, you know, which one wants to run yeah. with it. It's almost to, to your point a little bit. It doesn't matter who's in that. Uh, they don't give up any chances. They don't give up many chances, and these guys aren't giving up low-danger goals. They're not giving up shots from the boards, none of those muffins. And, of course, we're saying that tonight. They'll give up 14 to the wings. But, you know, it's, so far it's been very good at, the, you know, what the mandate was going into the season. Just stop the ones you're supposed to stop. Yeah, I'm I'm throwing all my my uh, feelings behind Matt Murray. I'm just I'm ready, I'm ready to get hurt here, boys. You ready? You ready to, I'm ready to emotionally? Your yeah, chips I, are in the middle of the they table. Are, they are. Take them, Matt. Listen, I just I the way the Leafs are playing and the way he looks to me, this is a recipe for success. If he's playing, not even I I don't even know if he's been spectacular. Has he? Like I guess his numbers have been pretty good. Like was he nine? Probably in the nine twenty range. I guess probably just under two goals against. Oh, sorry, just under three goals against. But I'm just looking up his numbers right now. I I never, I just to me it just looks like a guy who's a capable NHL goaltender that can give them consistent goaltending. That's what it looks like to me. So he's a two five one and he's nine twenty one, through through six games played. If yeah. he if he ends up around nine ten nine fifteen, that is way go- more good than uh, sorry good than good enough. It's just good enough. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Hey, if he's at nine ten and he plays forty or fifty games, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's going to happen. Listen, we're going to have to deal with with for three weeks without Matt Murray again through at some point this year, don't you think? Yes, yes. still stays uh, relatively busy for the Leafs. Detroit tonight, Wednesday, San Jose, Thursday, uh, L.A. Kings, right, and Calgary on the weekend. Can I just say prayers up for this week for Real Kipper mm. Bourne? What a great week! Three hockey games. Is that right? I'm not sure that's. Is that correct? Two hockey games in there. I think we're Monday, Monday Wednesday. Monday, for sure. Wednesday, and then they play. Um, oh, Tampa Saturday. Tampa Saturday maybe. night. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've jumped one week. Yeah, I'll take it though. There you man. go. Give us a Monday and a Wednesday game. Tuesday, Thursday reaction shows. Mwah. Great yeah, week. That's uh, L.A. Kings on the eighth, not on the first. So um, I'm pretty interested just to see this Red Wings team tonight. I I got to be honest, I haven't been paying pretty close attention to them. I got a buddy of mine who's a diehard Red Wings fan, always texting me about eleven them, five and four. Yeah, be, this is the first round matchup of the season ended today. Which well, please is, let that be the case, eh, Sammy? Well, <laughs> give me the wings. Listen, we're barreling towards Leafs, uh, <laughs> Leafs Lightning again here, but it's yeah. it's nice to see another team kind of jump up here in the in the uh, Atlantic and be relevant. Well, listen, it was them or Buffalo or Ottawa that that somebody we we expected maybe two or three of them to be a lot more improved but it seems to be like Detroit uh, people wanted to give Ottawa and Buffalo a lot more credit but did we expect Detroit at the quarter mark I thought I ex- I expected them to be better didn't you Borny? Uh, I, I, yeah, Im- for sure improved, right? They they made like seven off-season acquisitions or something, so they tried to get better. But no, I you know I didn't see them really legitimately hanging around like this. I will say the fancies don't think they're as good. Oh but really? The, uh, yeah, but uh, we'll see if they can kind of hang on and keep shooting in the net enough. They got a great shooting percentage and save percentage. So All far. right, we're gonna find out a lot more about Detroit and the challenges that the Leafs may have tonight.
when Chris Draper joins us after the break. He is now director of amateur scouting with the Detroit Red Wings. He knows them as well as anybody. We'll get his thoughts after the break. You're watching, listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. After these words, we're right back. Kind of nervous right now, JB. Is that right? Yeah, because our next guest told Sammy that uh, I better bring my A game. He doesn't like it, you know, if I don't bring my A game to this interview. I didn't know you had a B game. You're all A game. No, sometimes I can sneak in a C minus, to be honest with you. (laughs) I'm evolving. (laughs) I don't know. I'm something. I don't know evolving. Uh, Did you tell... Sammy, our producer, like uh, you're going to hang up on me if I don't bring my A game. Is that true? Uh, it's fact, and I actually texted that so that you could actually <laughs> read the text. <laughs> I didn't hide it at all, Skipper. I need you at your finest. Well, swing. Come on. 20 games, and your Red Wings, Chris Draper, are 11-5-4. and four. There's, there's some A games there going on. Yeah, it's... Um... You know what? It's, it's been good. You know, the guys uh, guys have been playing good. Obviously, you know, last year, Maritz Sider, uh, you know, kind of came in and what a great rookie season he had and Lucas Raymond. And, you know, now they're coming into their second year and, and taking, you know, even on, you know, bigger responsibilities for us. But it's been uh, it's been a real good team effort, obviously led by Dylan Larkin. Uh, but then, the, you know, the free agents that, that we signed, uh, Billy Huso, who we you know we traded for his rights and then signed him. He's been great for us. Um, ben Sherrod, uh, Oli Mata, those guys have been real good. And then you get up front and and you look at David Perron. Is geez, what a what an unreal hockey player he is. I, obviously, you know the, the the cup run that he had in St. Louis. You watched and and you saw what he could do. But he's been uh, he's been incredible for us. What a what a great teammate and, and what a great addition he's been been for us on and off the ice Kubalik has been real good uh dangerous on the power play can really shoot the puck um you know and andrew cop you know bringing um you know bringing him you know back to he grew up a, a red wings fan and obviously went to university of michigan and now he's a red wing so it's uh the guys that we had have been great uh you know the core guys that we had before with, uh, you know, the Larkins and, and the Bertuzzi's, those guys have played real well for us. And you know what? We're getting, um, we're getting scoring from the D. Philip Aronic has been, uh, has been real good. He's been, uh, the month of November has been producing offensively and, and, and has been, you know, responsible in his own end and playing a, a solid game in the offense and defense. So, you know, with all that, it's, uh, it's a good combination right now of, of where we at and where we're at. And tonight is, you know, these are the measuring sticks. You know, we know the, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs have had a great month too. They've, you know, they, they're kind of banged up on the back end, but guys have stepped in and, and, and obviously playing very well. And, you know, it, it's, you know, the, the, these are the games that, you know, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, we know that they're, they're obviously a, a cup favorite and it's going to be an unreal atmosphere down at Little Caesars uh, Arena tonight. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Chris, sort of a two-part question for you around all that. Just is when you're in rebuild mode, it obviously isn't a lot of fun. How do you know when it's time to flip the switch and say, okay, now, now we're going to add seven UFAs and it, it's time to go? And just how much more fun is it when you finally do flip that switch and, and really get competitive? 
Well, the the guy who flips the switch is uh, that's Steve Eiserman. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's where it comes from. But you know what? I think you know going into you know free agency last summer, I think we felt you know we we had players that we were going to target. Um, you know, and obviously we just named, uh, you know, a, a big bunch of the guys that, that we did target and, and were able to bring them in. And, and we just, you know, lo- love the character and love the compete of, of the players that we brought in. So, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I think Derek Lalonde has done a great job with, with, with expectations of this team. Obviously Stevie has, uh, you know, as, as well. But in the end, when you when you add players and, and all of a sudden you, you get some depth within your organization, you know, now all of a sudden I think, you know, the players in that dressing room get, get get excited. You know, we lost Tyler Bertuzzi for, uh, for, for about a month. And, you know, if that happened last year, that would have been a big hole for, for our team. But, you know, when you go out and you sign some free agents and you get some of the younger players that are pushing, it was a great opportunity for Jonathan Bergeron to come up. And, you know, he's come up and, and he's produced uh, – you know, on the power play, he's, he's added some, you know, some skill and some speed and some hockey sense to, to our top nine. And all of a sudden we have some depth within the organization. So I think that's really, you know, how you look at it. You know, when, when all of a sudden you, you, you have, you know, a, a core group and, and we mentioned the Larkins and the Bertuzzi's, and then all of a sudden you have an, a, an opportunity to add, you know, to, to that roster. And then you have some good young players that are coming through and, and that's, you know, the, the Raymonds and the Siders, um, you know, that Rasmussen is still, you know, young and he, he took a big step last year. You know, we get an injury, we're able to call up Jonathan Bergeron and he's able to play on our top nine and play on our second power play and produce some points for us. So, um, you know, with all that said, I think that, um, you know, you, you get the players that are excited in that dressing room and they go out and, and they believe in themselves. And that's the fun part of, 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 you know, playing this game, you know, when you have a great group and you have guys that, you know, are going to dig in and battle and compete. And, and right now we're in, we're in a good spot, but we also know there's uh, there's a lot of hockey to be played. You know, we're still in the month of November. We're joined by four time Stanley cup champion and director of amateur scouting for Detroit, Chris Draper. You mentioned cider and we know like there is a premium on defense. Nobody knows that more than probably Kyle Dubas and Leaf Nation here. So what does a guy like Sider mean to you? And, and watching tonight for people that still don't know him as well as they should, we know he was rookie of the year, but what do you see in him? Where is, where is he in terms of um, overall play uh, compared to what you've seen currently or even years past for you, Chris? Um, you know what, um, Mo is, he's, he's a, he's a complete defenseman. Um, you know, he plays in all situations for us. He, uh, he, he eats minutes. He's in our top pair with Ben Sherrod. Um, you know, obviously tonight they're, uh, they're going to get challenged. You know, they're going to see a lot of, a lot of hockey against, you know, Matthews and Marner. And, and I think, you know, for, for, for a young player like that, you know, these are the, the challenges that you get excited about, but, um, you know, he's, he's, like I said, he's on the power play, he's on the penalty kill, you know, he plays in all situations, he plays against everybody, um, you know, there's a physical presence that, that Mo brings, and, and he's just that demon that, you know, you're kind of looking up and down the bench, and, and you can't wait to get him out on the ice, uh, you know, playing 20-plus minutes a night for us, and like I said, playing in all situations, so, um, you know, he's been, he's been great, 
you know, for us. Obviously, last year, uh, you know, anytime you can, you know, come into the league and 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 become rookie of the year, obviously, you know, there's a lot of expectations. And and you know, coming into your sophomore year, um, you know, you just have to go out and you have to continue to develop. And and I think Ben Sherrod has been really good for you know, for him, um, a little bit of a calming influence and, and they obviously are our top pair. So, you know, when you get a guy like Moritz Sider, um, you know, a big right shot D man, uh, a guy that can play in all situations. He's somebody that, uh, you know, you, you, you love to have in your organization and, and you can't wait to get him out on the ice, you know, 20 plus minutes every night against the other team's top lines. And, and that's something that, um, you know, he looks forward to, he, he knows there's challenges, uh, playing against, you know, the best of the best night in and night out. But, you know, the the way, you know, Mo is wired and, and, and the challenges that he wants, you know, he embraces those challenges. He's just a – he's an unreal kid on and off the ice, and uh, he's charismatic, and, and uh, you know, we're obviously, uh, you know, proud of, of having a, the, the rookie of the year and everything that he does for us. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about another interesting guy on your team there, Tyler Bertuzzi. You guys have had him for years. There's a whole hullabaloo during the pandemic. He's a guy who doesn't want to get vaccinated. It's a whole, you know, some people mad at Bertuzzi and whatnot. I don't know how it went over with his teammates. But this is a guy who scored 30 goals for you guys last year. Uh, Obviously plays with an edge, physical guy. How is he perceived by Red Wings fans? Is he, you know, what is is he, uh, I guess what is he perceived as, as a Red Wing? Um, you know what? He's obviously a, a, a real competitive kid. Um, you know, you, you, you love, he's a guy that, that you love having on your line, love having on your team. Uh, he gets those, you know, those greasy goals. He's around the net. Um, he has a really good stick. Um, you know, he plays, you know, obviously on our, on our top six and he plays on every power play. Um, you know, so he's, he's just that, you know, that player that, you know, consistently you, you know what you're going to get, you know, whether he's going to play, you know, with Larks or whether he's going to play, you know, with, uh, with Andrew Kopp, um, you know, what, what you're going to get. And he's, uh, you know, you love those players that make those plays in, in those hard areas. Um, and, and, and like I said, he's just, uh, he, he's a player that, you know, we, we like to have night in and night out. Um, you know, he's, he can score different ways. He's got a good shot. He's around the net. Um, you know, and like I said, it's, uh, it's the greasy goals, uh, you know, the goals that, you know, are important, the hard goals, the hard work, the competitive areas. And, you know, that's what Tyler Bertuzzi brings, uh, you know, to, to our lineup and certainly our top six. The Leafs have won seven straight games against your Red Wings. You mentioned uh, measuring stick earlier. As someone that's experienced that, uh, either coming into Toronto or having a, a game against the Leafs on Hockey Night in Canada... What would say uh, a win tonight do for for your group? You know what I think it'll I think I think it'll be great. I think just more importantly, you know, just playing playing the right way. Um, you know, that's something that I think that uh, you know, obviously Derek's going to want from from this team. You know, from our team is to go out and just do things the right the right way. Um, you know, and and I mean. Anytime you have an opportunity to to play against uh, you know one of the best teams in the league, um, you want to use that you know as a measuring stick, like we both talked about, and and I think um, you know th- that's that's the excitement of Detroit, Toronto. You know both teams are, are playing well. Um, you know it's it's this rink is going to be you know on fire tonight. We know there's going to be you know a ton of Leaf fans there, and 
and the expectations of uh, you know coming down and, and watching the Leafs play the Wings, and and then on the flip side, uh, you know, it's obviously all the all the Wings fans, and it's just an incredible rivalry. Uh, you know, I was you know fortunate to to be a part of it in my career, and it's something that you get you know so excited uh, you know to to be a part of, and and we have some young players that have played in it and we have some young players that, uh, you know, haven't. And, and I think they're, you know, really going to embrace this moment, uh, you know, on our side, I think anytime Toronto comes to town, it's uh, it's, it's a special game. And I can't say enough about, you know, original six matchups and especially, you know, for me, a Detroit Toronto matchup, you know, always meant so much. So I think, um, I think the intensity is, is going to be great. Here we are at the end of November, but the expectations are that this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a hard-fought game coming from both sides. Toronto's playing well. We're playing well. And, you know, for, for our team and for the Red Wings, it's, uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to, to kind of show, you know, where we're at. And that's kind of the mindset that, uh, that you want to have, knowing that you're playing against um, one of the best teams in the league. Obviously, everyone knows right now Mitch Marner's on, uh, I think, what is it, 16-game point streak right now. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's obviously, you know, on fire. And then you, you have one of the purest, uh, you know, goal scorers in the game and, and a team that's, that's playing well and playing with a lot of confidence. So uh, with that said, it makes for, for a great matchup. And, and these are the games that as players you, you love to be a part of. And as, uh, you know, retired and, and washed up players, these are the games that you miss. Um, you know, no doubt. Uh, anytime Toronto plays Detroit, it's something that you want to be a part of. Last one for me, Drapes. We appreciate your time. Just uh, are our expectations changing for this team now? Because I think going into the year, it was like, let's see what we got here. Let's get into the mix. Is the expectations changing now and saying, okay, like we playoffs, think baby. Over- yeah, playoffs. like playoffs and more. Is that, is that happening? Well, I can tell you if you were to ask the players that are in the, in the locker room, they're going to say yes. And, that's not, and that, to me, is the most important thing. Um, you know, the mindset that, that the players have. Um, you know, they're the ones that, you know, you know, can, you know, can, can win. They're the ones that can, can control this. And so I think that, you know, their mindset is, you know, absolutely. And with that said, um, you know, if, if that's going to happen, you know, the first thing that you have to have is, is obviously you have to have consistency. And so far we've had that, you know, we've, you know, we've been able to bounce back from some tough losses or however it's been and, and, uh, you know, you know, win hockey games and, uh, you know, so I think right now it's uh, it's it's great. I think the the players are are believing in themselves. I think there's a great group down there. Uh, I think it's a competitive group, and I think we you know like we talked about earlier on on the call. You know, the players that Stevie brought in have been outstanding for us on and off the ice, and you know not only impacted you know what what they're doing and how they're playing, but they've impacted a lot of our younger players, and that was something that was going to be real important for us going forward. Hey, Drapes, I was telling the boys, I think last week, uh, the time that we went to tennis together, I think it was the, the, the old Rogers Cup. I don't know what it is now, maybe yeah. National Bank. Yeah. And we're high above uh, in, in one of the boxes, and Serena Williams is ready to serve. And you're telling me a Scotty Bowman story. <laughs> and right when the ball's in the air, I break out laughing and then she grabs the ball and then looks directly at me in the sky box. And I'm like, uh, yep. sorry, Serena. Do you remember the story? Yep. And it, well, absolutely. I, I don't remember the Scotty Bowman story, but I remember exactly what you're talking about. And 
Like she, there was eye contact between the <laughs> two of you, and she wasn't happy. No, she was and that's pissed. That's the laugh right there that I got. And you don't laugh quiet either, by the way. Oh yeah. So that no, was- I got a little <laughs> chuckle. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was. I do remember it. I, geez, I wish I. I mean, so many, so many Scotty stories. I wish I remember the one that I was telling you. I, but, I, uh, I remember the moment. It, it was awesome. It, it had something to do with you being player of the month, and Scotty didn't like it. Well, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, he can't. He was probably like, he can't do that. He can't be that. So, yeah, was, no, uh, no. It was. I, I've I've got Fedorov and I've got Iserman and I've got Lidstrom and and Draper's my player of the month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what what it was. And uh, hey, uh, yeah, he just uh, I just had to put my head down and just humbly uh, oh yeah, accept my award and say thank you very much. Oh yeah, hey, listen, really appreciate yeah. your time. Great work so far, uh, getting uh, Detroit back to that uh, respectability. Uh, Going to be a fun game to watch tonight. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, really appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much, and go Wings. Go Wings. Yeah, thanks, and appreciate it. Chris Draper, now presently director of amateur scouting for the Detroit Red Wings. Man, oh, man, you want to talk about a fourth line in history? Yeah. Malpe, McCarty. Throw a little Joey Kosher in there. Sprinkle that. He has a really good sense, I think, of where this team's at. Like, he is not allowed to say, like, it's not their time to win a cup yet. But it's closer. Right. And I think that's such an important step when you finally go, okay, we're not trying to be bad anymore. We're trying to win. You know, it's for the players' engagement level, I think not only the players you add make a difference – the players around them, you get way more out of too, right? Like, okay, we're, we're every night matters. Let's let's go. That's fun for everyone. Yeah, but uh, you mentioned Bertuzzi in particular. Uh, man, this guy's turned into a player, a real player. Brings a lot of different looks. Like you know, you, and I, Nick Robertson will never have that that physical edge that he has. Uh, but. That's what you hope one day that Nick can do is come in there and and be a, a, a 20, 30-goal threat. Yeah, you're right. The, a big part of what makes Bertuzzi valuable is that he is a pain in the ass, right? Like he is in people's faces and, you know, gets in the odd scrap and then he scores 30 along the way. So obviously a useful guy. Um, not many teams have him. You mentioned, too, uh, the – when's the right time to pull the trigger or look for some help now? Or if they're in a playoff, if they're in a playoff picture, I mean, what did they, they've gone six consecutive years without making the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Sounds right. Yeah. Like if you are within an arm's length here, they could be buyers. Uh, I don't know at what level, but they could be, this could be the year that uh, they take a couple of those assets and maybe flip them. Well, this is why, this is actually like a bigger question for people is like, what is your objective as an organization? It's to win a Stanley cup at some point, you know, but also, you know, getting into the playoffs is awfully nice. Getting a couple gates, giving your fans a little, you know, a little, some, a cookie, if you will, here and there, and like giving them something to care about late into the season. It is a Stanley cup, but it's not really the only thing. There is bigger picture there. And also getting into the playoffs can help get experience for some of the guys you hope win you a cup down the road. So I see the point of saying, yeah, we don't think we're cup favorites, but we're still going to buy this year. 
You know, it's going to be really interesting for me with the Detroit Red Wings uh, before we close out on, on the Red Wings tonight against the Leafs is this whole Dylan Larkin thing. And here you have a guy that you've developed yourself yeah. to the point where you've made him captain. And lo and behold, man, he needs a new contract. And what's that number? And are you willing to give it to him? Mm-hmm. And he is, he is uh, eligible to sign a contract right now. And is the number too high? Some as many, uh, uh, I would believe that would, it would be in the Barzell neighborhood, which is over $9 million a year. Yeah, it's tough, right? Like, there's, there is certainly an element of someone like Larkin having, I don't want to say having one over on an organization, but having leverage of, listen, I was here through the garbage. I was a good soldier, and even when I was our only player, I showed up and I worked every single night. I gave you 31 goals last year, and we, we weren't even close to the playoffs. He works, he leads, he does all the right things. So I guess the question, Kipper, is do you believe you should pay a guy like that for what he has done rather than saying here's a contract for what we expect to get from you in the future? Because part of why he would be owed a big number is what he has endured there. Yeah, I think those days are over. I think those days you. are over too, and it, it used to be a thing. And now I don't know that you can make that case. Yeah, he which is, means what? He's six point one million this year, and he goes to UFA. Twenty six years old. He'll turn twenty seven in the off season. Uh, See, th- there's no room in, in, especially with another flat cap next year, maybe. A million, and I don't know. There is talk that they're renegotiating, and if they feel like the cap can go up uh, 10, 11 million dollars in the next two or three years, can you spread it out? Right? Can you renegotiate and spread it out Mm -hmm. where the cap goes up three or four million dollars next year, and then another three or four uh, the following two years? I don't even know if that's going to be enough for teams to kind of overspend on the loyalty uh push that you're talking about yeah didn't didn't uh remember the eiserman and was it stamkos right this yes. is a sim- similar situation didn't he stare him down and didn't he go to ufa he took the meetings with the leafs there was yeah. that whole thing and then there, he went there back is a, a different element though for there, sure Sammy. no doubt but like isn't it a kind of a comparable situation captain that's been there a long time going uh, to free agency yeah. Like, I, I think it's outside, somewhat comparable. Outside of waking up every day and being on the beach and no state tax and cost of living. For sure. Very I, fair. I don't know what else uh, Michigan has to offer a guy who doesn't want to maximize his dollars. Like, he didn't, Stamkos didn't max out his dollars, but the saw off was way better by staying in Florida than it would most any other team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially cost of living and, and that state tax I'm talking about. It'll be interesting, too, because Eiserman had the deal with St. Louis at Team Canada where he didn't pick him, right? And St. Louis was all hot about that, and they're still, you know, like he's dug in where he's had to dig in. This is mm-hmm. a couple instances. You know, is he going to dig in a guy like Larkin? On the other hand, Larkin scored 30 last year. He's 26 years old. He's your captain. He's easily worth and nine times isn't eight. He, isn't he from Michigan? I think he went to university there, too. I don't know. I, He's from Waterford, Michigan, yeah. If I was going to 
guess I would say he resigns. There. Yeah, how big's the number, I guess? I think he's worth it. What's he got, 25 points this year? Yeah, 23 and 20 games, nine goals. Like, he's having a great year. They're on the up and up. Like, to me, it's the kind of guy that you want to keep around, you want to build around. Like, he's ah. probably asking for 10. No, you think? I think it would be in the Barzell. What's Barzell what? at? Nine, two? Nine-ish. I will. Let me ask you this. Would you take Larkin at nine, two, five? Sammy, what's, uh, what's uh, Bar- Barzell at? Barzell is 9.15. Uh, 9.15. Okay, let's just say 9.25 Larkin, or would you take Bo Horvat at 8? Larkin. Larkin for me. Okay. A great great question, though, Kipper, because those are both, like, captain, hard-nosed. Yes, there's an issue going well, out in, in Vancouver theory. right now where Vancouver just does not see... Bo Horvat as a premium center iceman. Good player, but they don't have him in that seven and a half, eight and a half ballpark. Let me just take this opportunity to tell you guys that the Vancouver Canucks are tied in points with the Calgary Flames and one behind Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've played one more they've game. Won, they've, they've won three in a row now, the them, and that top line is dominating for them. They're on the heels of Alberta, and I understand one game at hand, but boy, the Alberta team's struggling. The Canucks have just right in the wins. ship. Just a 9-10-3. Just a couple of wins, right? Just a little bit of a streak. Elias Pedersen's playing at a really, really high level right now. A lot of, they were doing okay. I follow a lot of Vancouver guys in my feed for some reason. I don't know why I do that to myself, but my boy Riccio out there, all those guys, how, they're, how was, they're raving about Pedersen. I, like, Bruce yeah, Boudreaux didn't way. get fired this morning that I, I, I didn't no, find no, out no, about. No, he's still... how, how has he survived? This guy is, uh, you know, with all due respect, in the nicest way you can call someone a cockroach in a nuclear blast, he has survived. <laughs> it, is rem- it is really <laughs> remarkable he's still there. <laughs> There's shrapnel everywhere, and this guy's still doing interviews like, what's up? What so, are we doing today? Um, you can't fire him now when you... You get Jim Rutherford like to fire Christmas. him out of a cannon if he wanted. And he's starting the backup goalie a lot. Like he's and Patterson's got he's tied for first in five on five goals with ten. Yeah, wow. he's and he's two way too. Like his he's playing, stuff yeah, he's playing looks good. He's on the uh penalty kill for them, playing really well. So uh they've turned it around a little bit in Vancouver, so it'll it'll really make their you know, missing the playoffs by two points and finishing in ninth with their draft pick being around 11, really great for them. This is why it's so dumb. I've made the point all along. They had like, a chance the best, to the blow it up. The best case scenario sucks. They, they had a chance to blow it up. Yeah. All right, just a handful of teams in the National Hockey League who have not crossed over the quarter pole mark. Mm. So I'm going to ask you guys, quarter Mark Pohl here. Okay. Uh, league, uh, Leaf MVP and League MVP. Okay. Leaf MVP for me is not that hard. I got Mitch Marner. Uh, how I Leading in minutes, leading in points, do-it-all guy, even through the slumps and stuff was pretty good. Sammy? Yeah. I, I'll say, I'll, just to be different, I'll say Tavares. Make your case. I just, I thought through the early part of those years, they could have lost, the early part of this year, they could have lost more games even than they did if John Tavares wasn't playing the way he was. John Tavares yeah. has been consistently their best guy throughout 
the the start of this year. And I think Mitch Marner over the last couple of weeks has been obviously dominant. But just to be a little bit different here, I'm going to go with Tavares as the Leafs MVP through the this point of the season. Yeah, I'll break the time, Mitch Marner. Yeah, just, I know. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it, I know. Just the flip flopping too. Uh, everywhere he goes, he he elevates people around him, and I think. No question, I'm with you on on Tavares. He has worked his ass off. He's looked better year. than he's maybe ever looked right? to the least I, this year. I don't disagree, not at all. But overall, I think working his bag off. Yeah, <laughs> ev- everywhere he goes, like on any line, it just seems to to elevate uh, uh, players. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, he's he owns Detroit tonight, boys. It's gonna be hard for him not to extend this. This run. Yeah, not a bad night to slap a couple of bucks on Marner over a point and a half or something like that. Yeah. What's, uh, what's his run, Sammy? You had it in the lineup. I'm looking at it here. Uh, Leafs have won seven straight games against the Red Wings. Uh, no player has more goals, six, or points, 11, than Mitch Marner for the Maple Leafs during that win streak over the Red Wings. So he has 17 points in seven games versus the Wings here. And we all remember last year the... Um, the, the circus game, the 10-7 game, and him uh, getting the drop pass from Bunting and the other way around, they were flying around. So that was a wild one, 10-7 game. So, yeah. All right. That helped his stats. The, the Leafs have outscored the Wings 40-18 to during that seven-game winning streak. They have owned the Red Wings. All right. All right. Uh, league MVP. Someone not in Edmonton. Me, I'd have someone not in Edmonton. Are you going to do the thing I think you're going to do with Dallas? No. Nick Robertson's brother. That's where you're going? Yeah. Mm, not me. Jason. What do you got? Uh, he's, he's second in scoring. I don't know. He's one point behind McDavid mm-hmm. and playing five minutes less than him. I, he's on an incredible run. 18 goals. Like, come on. He's shooting 18.8% so far this year. Jason Robertson is. Pretty yeah. good. Guys on a tear. What about you, Orny? Well, I was getting. I didn't re- know there was a no Edmonton clause because to me we overthink it. McDavid's no, no, go, best. go Edmonton. Yeah, it's go. McDavid still right. for me. Guy's got 16 goals in 21 games, 36 points. He just, you know, the the whole flow of that team is just in his wake. I, I just I can't watch a hockey game with him in it and not think he's the best player on earth. And sometimes that's what it is to me. Who's the best player in the league this year? I, I just don't think anyone's ahead of him. Yeah, Edmonton kind of stinks. Like it's, yeah, but again, it's okay, the Mike so Trout should, thing. So like, give him more credit, not well, less. I mean, wouldn't I don't know. I'm going Kel McCarr for me, MVP so far. He's got 21 points, 19 games. He plays 27 minutes a night, boys. That's just sick. 27 would, minutes a night, leading the league in ice I wish time. that was my pick. I'm jealous. Guy is a stud. <laughs> he, a plays, he plays the most important Wrong. position in sports. He plays 27 minutes a night. His team's good. They're, you know, they've had a little bit of a, I wouldn't say slow during the playoffs, but I don't think they're playing to their full potential yet. He is, to me, the MVP so far this season. A couple of guys to give love to here. Honorable mentions. Sidney Crosby has 30 points in 22 games. 29 points in 22 games, sir. Okay. He, he was he, bad against the Leafs. He can't play against the Leafs seventh. anymore. Are, he's are they seventh done? in the league in scoring. Is he happy? Are they done? They have another game <laughs> no, against they're the done. They're, they're done. Oh, <laughs> I, I've never... Like, I, we didn't even mention this in, in our show today, but how bad was Pittsburgh? How bad was Latang 
They, they're they're big Latang's guys. The only one I noticed is bad. Sid was bad too, and I I, I just didn't notice him. I sent a tweet out that I said I didn't think I'd live long enough to see the Leafs own Sidney Crosby, but I guess well, I guess we're there now because he was bad. How, how the about whole... the four kicks on the bench? Yeah, did he break his foot or break a skate? What the hell was he doing? I don't know. There? He went back and forth. A couple but times. he was pissed. He seldom shows that much frustration. Yeah. How about uh, David Pasternak? David Pasternak's got 32 points, third in the league in point in, in points. Uh, absolute tear. Yeah, 1. he could 5. be. He could be uh, my favorite player. I think he's leading the NHL in shots. No, Timo Meyer is. He's second in the NHL in shots, though. Like he fires a ton. Yeah, you love this guy. Yeah, I love him. He's got he, the swagger. He could just you know, get play into it every which way. And, and he he's does not got, give a damn what you think. Ah, uh, and he goes after people. He, he there's one sequence this year. I saw someone take a run at uh, Bergeron, and he came right back at him. I think it was against the Rangers, if I'm not mistaken. Really good stuff. All right, I'm going to give you the top five in shots per game in the NHL, and I'm going to leave one out. Timo Meyer, David Pasternak, Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews. Who are we missing for most shots in the NHL this season? God, it has to be Ovi. Ovi's a great choice. He's in the top ten. He's ninth. The guy I'm thinking of is in our division here as a Toronto team, and you guys love him, you and Sammy. Oh, Tage Lemieux. <laughs> yep. Oh, Tage Lemieux. Yeah. Tage Lemieux. Yeah. He's I'm surprised we didn't. We, I, me and Kipper didn't take him for MVP. <laughs> I was actually kind of waiting. He's got enough points to be in the conversation. Sammy, what else did we do? Most surprising team. Most surprising team. Yeah. Well, I'll say the Devils on that. Uh, they are first in the league. That is surprising. Uh, Seattle. I got one for you. Good pick. The I got Kraken. One for you. Are they 11 and five? Yeah, they're playing yeah. well. Thirteen and five. Yeah. Wow! I just ripped them off two wins. Yeah, yeah. They're um, they're seven points clear in a playoff spot right now. The Squids. Their depth, their forward depth, reminds me of when Vegas went to the Cup final in the first year. Just like the fourth line is like I don't know, it's Ryan Donato and uh, it's it's a bunch of guys you know is the point. I should look it up, but they're very good all the way. They through. got like a dozen guys with I think ten or more points. A dozen. Yeah, and Shane Wright has four goals in three games in the American League. Don't rule him out being relevant by the end. Their fourth line is Ryan Donato, Morgan Geeky, and Daniel Sprong. It's a good line. It's funny to me. You look at that. If you're in that Pacific division, you just have to, you know, you're a Calgary fan or an Oilers fan. You just look up and you see two stupid expansion teams ahead of you. That probably doesn't make you feel great. <laughs> no, I would think you're right. I, my, think most, my, at... my most surprising team is the Leafs. Whoa. Whoa, what a pick. I mean, Buddy, we we talked about the Leafs challenging for a President's Trophy at no, the beginning. Well, of the year. yeah, Where's but that, the surprise. Then they stunk for a month and lost well, their whole. Okay. Then they lost their whole decor and both their goalies, and they're still well, second you can't in the Atlantic. Get a reboot on your most surprising. <laughs> no, they're surprising. They're surprising to me at this they point of the surprising, season. Surprising, and now they're surprising. Yes. By Christmas, they won't be surprising, and then you'll be surprised again in March. <laughs> they're the most. Sammy, that's not the way it works, buddy. Uh, I just made. I write the rules. I'm the producer. I write the rules. <laughs> By the way, they are. What is surprising is that they're doing it while being a bottom goals for team. They sure. don't. They don't score. Sure. So that catches you off guard. Most disappointing. Uh, Ottawa Senators boys stink. They stink again. They score a ton. They can't keep the puck out of their own net. Weren't they supposed to be good? No, they weren't. Not with that blue line and not with the ask of Jake Sanderson to come in and do what uh, Sanderson's playing 22 Shabbat's minutes a night doing. or something. Right? They're, it's just yeah. it's not enough. I, uh, I, I know a lot of people, Kipper, going into the season who thought they were a playoff contention team. 
maybe not get in, but be in the mix till the end. Yes, all of Ottawa. Who, yes. I remember I went on the radio and did a Atlantic Division power ranking with my good friend Brent Gunning, and I had said that Ottawa was going to be in the basement, and boy, the texts and tweets I got that day. <laughs> People thought that they believed in this team, and don't let them tell you any different. There was big-time... Jetty. I'm sorry, man. There was yeah. big-time uh, belief. What about uh, the blockbuster trade between Calgary and Florida? Florida... Florida finds a way to still hang around uh, with 23 points in the division, but I I don't know they they don't look right to me, and it's they they've got cap problems beyond belief here. There's they look less dynamic for sure. If you guys you guys were grilling me earlier about 500 records and your whatever math yeah. you wanted to use, they played 21 games. The, the the Panthers have 10 wins. Yes, you know. That, that's not the team that won the President's Trophy last season and was like plus 80 in goal differential. That ain't them. Another, I guess this isn't necessarily surprising but most or disappointing, but the Caps. Seems like their uh, their time as a dominant team in the NHL may be coming to a close. Yeah. Good pick. 9-11. Well, They're you're, bad, too. You're at, you're at the... Laviolette's at the mercy of Kuznetsov, who can be as talented as anyone in the league... But you don't know what you're going to get any given night with him. And then no Backstrom. That's where they've been really hurt. And some some guy who's supposed to be tough, Tom Wilson. That, that's At a least big, they've that's been a hurt. big hole. Right? At least you can say they're injury-laden. How about a team that the, uh, the Leafs just took down, the Minnesota Wild? They won the Central last year, didn't they? Well, they had 113 points, whether they won the division or not. They they're scuffling around fifth in the central right now. But we knew we knew uh, dead dead cap money of thirteen or fourteen was going to really hurt them. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. How about, a, okay, how about a, one more surprising team on the positive side? Winnipeg. Air- good one. Good one. I wasn't going to say. All I was right. Who are you going to say? The Arizona Coyotes are seven and ten. Didn't you think they were a two and ninety team this year? I did. Yeah. I just can't get excited with them being in that building. I'm sorry. Not, no, not excited. That's for sure. I just thought they'd be worse than bad, and they're just yeah, that's simply fair. bad. They're normal bad. Oh, I, quickly, a couple things before we go, boys. I have to bring this up. You see Peter Morazic through eight games so far this year for the for the Blackhawks. Oh, give me the numbers. He's one five and one, four two seven goals against eight seven eight save percentage. I think the most stunning thing is that he's got eight games hey, this year. Exactly what they were hoping for this year. Right, they got what they paid That's for. That's right. Yeah, they want to yeah. suck. Hey, they want to suck. And my God, though, like good coach in there, new first year. Okay, and you got to watch. You got to watch that goaltending here's, performance. Here's every uh, night. Here, here's one for you. The the team that is just lurking in the weeds and look out. Come March and April, who do you have? I think you're going to say the St. Louis Blues. Yes, and no, I'm going to. I know what he's going to say. Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I got the, that's what I was thinking. I, I got the Rangers on that. The Rangers are only ten and eight. How about Carolina? Nothing, you know, eleven six. Is that is that good enough to put them in a top contending team now, or a team that has got a ton of upside still? The New Jersey Devils' goal differential is plus thirty four. Second in that division, Islanders are plus eighteen. Carolina zero. They're a dead even on the season. That's so I, I think that's not as good as you would expect from them. And uh, big win for your boy tonight. We're going to grind out a beer league game at 11 p.m. with six skaters. The other wow. team the, the other team emailed and forfeited. We get the win. Wow. What a victory for the we'll Zigzags tonight. 
come from behind. I'm on Leafs Talk with Bunkus tonight. Listen. All right. Our thanks to Chris Draper and his Detroit Red Wings going against the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Jim Ralph calling the game. Our thanks to you, JB. Via remote, we're going to get you back home. Hopefully you're here tomorrow. I hope your kid feels better. Thanks for everybody watching and listening. We're back tomorrow. Real Kipper and Bourne.